Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to go. You are listening to Satellite Sisters. It is Tuesday, December 15th, 2015. We are happy to be with you today. I'm Leanne Dolan here in Pasadena, California. I'm joined by my sister, Julie Dolan, in Dallas, Texas. Julie, we have a full show today, but uh, first we want to start with some birthday dedications, some long-distance dedications, right? Yes, indeed. This is in lieu of gifts. We are dedicating (laughs) this podcast to two of our favorite people. One is our co-author of our book, You're the Best. That is our delightful niece, Fiona Dolan, is turning 16 today. Happy birthday, Fiona. Sweet 16. Watch out, Ben Dorgan. She'll be driving soon. Uh, All I can tell you is she's a wonderful writer and a wonderful girl, and we love being her aunt. So happy birthday, Fiona. And then the second dedication, now he doesn't really listen to the podcast yet, uh, but this way we can put in his, uh, I don't know, treasure chest for when he's a little older. That would be to my grandson. Peter is two years old today, Leanne. So happy birthday, Peter. That was a fast two years, at least for me. (laughs) (laughs) You you should check with his mother. I don't know if she... She feels the same way. So we're going to have a little celebration later. You know, he, it's kind of a busy time at his house. There's, you know, Christmas tree is up and I keep asking if he knows he's turning two. He doesn't, he doesn't seem, you know, he just keeps nodding. He enjoys singing happy birthday. So that's good. That's good. (laughs) Well, he is adorable. I was happy to see him when I was in Dallas. He's adorable. So happy birthday to Peter and to Fiona. And uh, now we have other stuff happening. Um, Wow. Look at some of these headlines, Julie. We have picks and pans and we have tidbits. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Leanne. I read two books, the picks and pans. I didn't like reading either of them, but I am going to pick one as a recommendation and pan the other one. (laughs) All right. I have an exciting celebrity auction I want to tell you about. And There is just one of the Star Wars family who is killing it on the press tour. And we're going to talk about that later. Of course, it's Star Wars week. Um, Not not that we've gotten any free tickets or anything, but we're excited nonetheless. Uh, New serial is up. It's the Bo Bergdahl story. We're going to talk a little bit about that. First, though, breaking news where I am this morning. um, I was watching the local news, as I do in Los Angeles every morning, watching my my people on KBC. And uh, the traffic reporters started to report something interesting, that all the school buses from LAUSD had left the lot turned around and come back. And that they were the first ones sort of on the story that LAUSD has shut down all 900 buildings today, 650,000 school children staying home because of, quote, a, a credible threat. And they felt like this was the best course of action. So uh, that is just a, a lot to do. That's a lot to shut down an entire school system. I- that is, that's so serious. And, you know, with, with 900 buildings, I guess there is some indication that they're going to have to search all 900 buildings, all of those lockers, everything. How? That's, I, I don't know seems, how they're going to do seems it. It's impossible. It, it is seems the second impossible. largest school district in the country, right behind New York City. You know, Los Angeles is a big spread out city. It includes all the public schools in LAUSD and the charter schools. Um, but Ray Cortinez, the superintendent of schools here in L.A., who has also been in New York. And, you know, he said we get threats all the time. But for some reason, this one, we don't know all the details, seemed more credible. And they felt like this was the best course of action, particularly after he said what's happened in Paris and what happened in San Bernardino. You know, I was reminded, of course, this week was the third anniversary of the shooting at Sandy Hook Elementary oh. School. And just seeing those little faces on the news oh. again, didn't that break your heart? So I just, it's, you can't even, so if they're erring on the side of caution, I know there may be more fallout from this, 
But I'm sure no parent is thinking, oh, okay, no, I would rather send my kid to school today if there was a credible threat. And No, I know. I mean, it's it's scary, and then it must yeah. be incredibly frustrating for, for the parents. Yeah. That, because now, you know, you probably have to leave your job to come home, or you don't have child care arranged. And it, you know, it just creates so much commotion in addition to to fear. You know? Right, and, right. And, and right. will they be able to search the 900 buildings, you know, sufficiently and thoroughly enough that you would feel like, okay, now it's okay for my child to go back to this school. Right. You know? And they're asking employers to have a understanding that some of their employees today may have, may need to leave work, may need to stay home from work. They're asking sort of for the whole city to step up and support this decision. So um, you can understand that. But yeah, I just... Making a threat against school children, oh my gosh. You know, I mean, you think it couldn't get any worse, and then you hear that. And it's just, it's it's just the news is just barreling down on us. Doesn't it feel like that? It just weighs down on you every day. And I thought, this is something I don't even think I would feel comfortable explaining what was really happening to a five, six, seven, eight year old. This is a really scary concept. And, you know, you just say, oh, the fire alarms went off. I mean, and, and, you know, it could, but they do practice, you know, unfortunately all schools now they practice for, you know, the bad guys, Yeah, bad guys coming into school. And that's how I know it was explained to my grandchildren because I've heard them talk about it, you know, that they, they do have, you know, they practice to go to safe places so the bad guys can't get them, you know. Yeah, and but that, you don't know what that means. I mean, I can remember I the air raid drills when we were yeah. little and, yeah. you know, during the Vietnam War, we had those air raid drills and they tell us to hide under our desk. I had no idea what that meant. Like I thought people were coming down the hallway, but now they really are. But uh, it was just, it's still confusing when you're five, six, seven years old, understanding what this all means. So, um, so that, that is a breaking news story here in Southern California. And I'm sure we'll have more details on that, but it's just coming in the wake of the the Sandy Hook, uh, you know, uh, anniversary. And and now and, you're starting to bury, you know, the funerals uh, for all of the victims of San Bernardino is just, I, I mean, they're, I, they're just the, the individual stories about the, you know, the fathers and the mothers. I and know. The, I know. Best yeah, friends. Yeah, fiancés. I know. It just, oh. it's, it really, it really can bring you down. That's why I was appreciative that Jill posted on the Satellite Sisters group page, on the Facebook page, this article from the Washington Post. And I think it's something you've probably all been thinking about, but like haven't articulated. And it was just <laughs> entitled, here are 15 things you can do when the world feels like a terrible place. Okay, and I'm taking out my pen, Lee. And what, I, you what, know, and it's what, just what, some what, simple things, but one is just open your closet, find one warm piece of clothing you haven't worn in in a while and bring it to a place that will give it away for free. Okay. That's one. There are all kinds of other specific ones. Like, you know, think of a song you love, preferably by a non-famous musician and download it again. And 99 cents actually tells the musician that their work is of value. I love that. There are suggestions on how to send e-cards to school administrators and teachers and kids in, you know, high pressure zones here. Leave a copy of your favorite book in a public place. Trust that the right person will find it. This is something I actually do. Just go to your nearest animal shelter and look at the puppies and the kittens. You do? I do that. Yeah. I just swing by the pound every once in a while. Not ready to get another dog yet, but you never know. Uh, That's nicely. And sometimes I do that on BuzzFeed. I just look at the animal pictures. Yeah. That cheers me up. Yep. I can see that. I like this one. Think about the people that you frequently interact with in your daily life, but know very little about the barista, the janitor in your building, your mail person, introduce yourself and call them by name whenever you see them again. That's an excellent one. And then this one I like, get a pile of index cards and a Sharpie. Okay. Check. I have those two things. Uh Write down things like you are important or breathe. And then carry them around as you go about your day and leave them in waiting room magazines or on car windshields or in bathroom stalls. That's kind of diabolical in a very positive way. Yeah. I actually thought there's some good quotes and you're the best. I thought, oh, that's just a little guerrilla marketing. But more importantly, there's some positive things to be said. So I'm going to try that. Just be on on the lookout. We could leave a copy of our book 
for someone. You could. You could leave a copy of your book for someone. So that would be a good thing. Uh, so anyway, those are some, some good things when the world feels like it is crashing down around you. So I will post a link to that on our website. If you're not a member of our Facebook group, though, go for it. Join the Facebook group or find us uh, at SatelliteSisters.com. Right. You can always listen to one of our podcasts. I think that would cheer you up. That too. would cheer you up. Yeah. That would cheer <laughs> Julie, it's an excellent <laughs> idea. <laughs> I'm going to put that in the comments of this Washington okay, Post definitely, article. Definitely. Well, uh, Leon, speaking of podcasts, I mean, the big podcast news this past week was season two of the podcast sensation serial started. Yeah. Now, did you, did you listen to the first episode of season two? Yet? I have not listened yet. Yeah, no, but I, I'm very interested in this Bo Bergdahl story. It has fascinated me since it broke. So I'm glad this is the subject and very interested to hear uh, all aspects of this story. Yes. Yeah, so that is the subject of season two. They are going to look into Bo Bergdahl, who, you know, he was he left his army post in um, Afghanistan. He was captured by the Taliban. He was then traded for five Taliban leaders and he was returned to the United States. And there was a big question about, you know, was, you know, was he mentally stable? Was he, you know, he doing the right thing or was he a deserter? There are conflicting reports about all of this. Um, but he has been he has been under investigation. They have been investigating his case. Um, and this um, but he hasn't spoken publicly about it until uh, until season two began. And so it started last week. And my intention was not to listen because <laughs> I preferred. No, here's the reason why. Liam, okay. I wanted to binge listen to the whole season. Oh, okay. Okay. Not because I didn't want to know, but I just was waiting. I like Because you do, do have a habit of that, of passing judgment on things you have not <laughs> read or seen or listened right, to. Right, right. Well, I, but I, 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 and I okay. publicly d disclaim it when I've only seen the trailer for a movie and I pass judgment. Okay. Right. Exactly. But no, in this case, I definitely was interested in hearing the whole thing and forming my own opinion, but I was waiting until the whole season had been put up rather than just one episode. But I had to break my rule be, uh, on that because there was breaking news yesterday that the Army commander has now ordered that Bo Bergdahl is going to face a court-martial for leaving his post. And he is facing charges of desertion and endangering troops. And it could result, you know, maximum penalty would be a life sentence. And this is a totally different direction then the preliminary hearings um, that Bo Bergdahl and his attorney, um, you know, when when he told when he testified, it was recommended at these preliminary hearings that he that he neither face jail time or even a punitive discharge from the army. So there wasn't really an elaboration by the army commander as to why there was this sort of change of direction in terms of his punishment. But it is interesting that... Oh, do you think it has to do with the podcast? Well, well this is what I'm wondering, Leanne. I yeah. mean, nobody is saying that, although there is a quote that today in the New York Times, not by anyone associated with the Army, Army Command, um, but this is, uh, it was an aide to a senator on the, um, on the Armed Services Committee who said that the podcast, you know, once the pod the podcast went public last week, that all the sympathy for Bergdahl dried up, yeah. and that that's what the army couldn't stand it anymore. That in you know that they were trying to give him the best po you know benefit of the doubt and give him the best possible deal, um, and then he's now sort of publicly um, going on you know going out to the world with this podcast. So of course now I had to listen to the first yeah, episode. Yeah, good for it. That's podcast. thorough. That's okay. thorough Which, investigative podcasting. Go for yes. it. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, but in the, in the episode, he says, and you know, he's speaking to a documentarian where he said he left the base purposely to hike 18 miles in order to talk to a general because he was so concerned about the leadership at his post. And he felt like there was such a disintegration of leadership that he needed to do the right thing and kick it up a notch and go, you know, and report the trouble to someone higher up. Um, Cause he sees himself really as a super soldier, you know, very dedicated. In fact, he likened himself to Jason Bourne in the interview. Liam. Yes, I know. 
Yeah, yeah. I heard I heard some of the clips. So yeah, kind of a kind of a trouble. But now because he's facing much more serious charges, uh, I don't know what's going to happen to the podcast. I mean, just listen. You know, just listen. Don't pretend you don't know the ending. Yeah, I mean, there must be something really juicy. Impact the it might impact the court martial. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, that he's made these public statements on the podcast that nobody has heard, but. Now are the attorneys for Bo Bergdahl going back to the people at Serial um, and saying, "Hey, you know, you can't, you can't put the, uh, you can't put this oh. out." Do you see what I'm saying? Because oh yeah, oh I, yeah. Now I get it. Yeah. So, so it's serious podcast news. It's serious for Bo Bergdahl too. <laughs> but uh, it could, it could impact, um, you know, one of the most successful podcasts going going on. I don't know. So well, you know, here's the thing: the the guys in his unit, the people in his unit. Never liked it. I mean, it was clear, like, from the minute the story broke that they were not sympathetic to him. And that that said everything to me, to be perfectly honest. Like, I didn't need to hear a whole lot more. But I am interested to hear this podcast. So I think it's worth listening to. You still make up your own. Yeah, I'm not saying don't listen to it. Just saying that (laughs) you might not have the opportunity to listen to it because maybe Bo Bergdahl's attorneys are going to say, uh-uh, you can't. Oh. Can't, uh, you know, we're pulling out of the podcast now. Even though I assume most of it is already recorded and edited and ready to go. So. Okay. Well, we're going to keep our eye on that, aren't we? Okay. Okay. That was, that's my podcast news, Leanne. Okay. All right. And now you have picks and pans, Julie. Picks and pans, Leanne. This time of year, you know, it, you know, it's, uh, you know, it is the holiday time of year, but you also, I wanted to mention two books. And here's the thing about these two books. Uh, as I said at the beginning of the show, I didn't enjoy reading either of these books, but I feel strongly that I need to pick one and I'm going to explain why, and I'm definitely going to pan the other. The first book that I'm going to pick is Euphoria by Lily King. Have you heard of this book, Lynn? I have it on my nightstand. It's been very well-reviewed, and I have not read it yet, but it it has, and it looked like a good length, like you could really enjoy this book on sort of over a, a rainy, cold weekend. Yes, so, and it has a beautiful cover. So that's beautiful what I know about. Cover. It. It's a national bestseller. It's a national public review um, uh, best book of 2015. It's described as taut, witty, um, and it's intelligent. It includes a love triangle. So you got to love that, right? It's the story. It's based. It's inspired by Margaret Mead's life, and it's the story okay. of three anthropologists. Uh, in the 1930s, okay, and that's that's what the story is about. But and so m- you should love this book, Liam. And me- and the reason I'm picking it is because pretty much everyone else I know who's read this book, this is like they're one of their favorite books of the year. They just love it. right. And people, yeah, it sounded kind yeah. of sexy and intellectual, yes. and and yeah. you know, and kind of things, like I a found, smart girl's romance. Yeah, right. I I found it. I found the storytelling. Like, uh, just infuriating. Okay. Like that's, that's what I want to tell you. I just felt like just spit it out. I was like yelling at the book a couple of times, just get to your point. All right. I don't know why I just got very annoyed with the storytelling. Okay. So, so you, you did not find it taught. That's no, a- I did not find it taught okay, right. at all. Okay. But, uh, so that, that's, but I pass that on because I think many other people would enjoy it. Now, the other book that is also, uh, this is, I thought was um, interesting, was described by the New York Times as clever and taught. Okay. Another, another very taught book. Another taught book is Jonathan D's The Privileges. Okay. And this was, again, best book 2015 <laughs> by Amazon. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this is supposed to be so good. And it's, but it's the story of Adam and Cynthia. And they have essentially this perfect, privileged life. And it's, but it's sort of a morality tale about yeah. the perfect, privileged life. Well, it is so darn depressing to read about these, this hedge fund guy and his wife. Like, I just, it's not taught, okay? It's just depressing. You just, you know, you, you just... See, you left it on the night table in Dallas, so I took it home with me. And you yes. had said, I hated this book. Here you go. <laughs> so I don't know why you're recommending it as a pick. I'm not. This is my Pam. Oh. The privilege is... My pick is Euphoria. Wow. My that pan, was my subtle, pan is subtle the, pick. Okay. 
<laughs> okay. I actually liked The Privileges. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. I thought the writing was excellent. I thought the ending went off the rails. Like the last 25 pages seemed to be slapped on from another book. It was like he was ending a whole nother book. But okay. I did. Yeah, there's nothing particularly sympathetic about the no. characters. Right. You know, you you do sort of despise them and it only gets worse. But I did think it was insightful into a certain kind of personality type. Okay. So, right. but, um, uh, yeah, but it's not, it's not for everyone. It's not a book everyone's going to love. What I did think when I read that book was if this book had been written by a woman, it would not have been taken as seriously. Huh. That's, I thought this, that was one of those books that smacked me of because a guy wrote it, people took it really seriously and it ended up on all these bestseller lists. And if a woman had written it, it would have been sort of shunted over into the women's fiction category and, you know, it would have been seen as less than. Cause I, but I thought it was, it was a good book. I just thought this is when female authors talk about why don't we get the reviews in the New York times or why don't we get put on best, you know, best of the year list. I was like, this is a book that, e you know, easily could have been written by a man or a woman, you know, and, and I think if a woman had read it, it wouldn't have been taken as seriously as literature. So, uh, I thought it was a fine book, but, <laughs> but that's what that's I would say. It's a very taught review. Liam. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. you. Okay. Picks and pan. So pick is euphoria. Pan is the privileges. Okay. okay. Well, I'm reading a book now that comes out in March. It's called The Arrangement. And um, do you remember the, the wonderful food writer, MFK Fisher, who wrote for decades for Gourmet Magazine? Ah, yes. I do recognize so, that. So, yeah. So uh, she was really kind of the first great American food writer. So this is a fictionalized version of a real story, kind of in the same vein as Euphoria, a Margaret Mead love triangle. This is sort of the unusual love triangle relationship she had in her real life behind the scenes. And uh -huh. I'm enjoying it. So when I finish it and it comes out, I'll let people know it's coming out because so okay. far it's terrific. So there you go. Uh Oh, you know, I have a pick though, Julie. I have a pick for you. And I am picking Carrie Fisher because she is killing it on the red carpet and in all of her Star Wars PR tour of appearances. I, I actually don't even recognize her when I see her. Uh, you know, I have to, oh, who's this? Oh, Carrie Fisher. Okay. But yes, she's doing well in the interviews. And uh... No, she's just being Carrie Fisher in the interviews. The interviews are off the rails. I mean, it oh, reminds, really? it re completely reminds me of my conversation with Erica Jean. Like okay. she has gone to the Erica Jean school of PR, which is, <laughs> I don't care what you ask me. I'm going to talk about whatever I want. So last night at the big star-studded Hollywood premiere, biggest Hollywood premiere ever for Star Wars. Apparently, she just dropped a lot of bad language on the red carpet, which is unusual, really. <laughs> so, and then she did an interview with Good Morning America, Amy Rohrbach. It was just like hilarious. It was fantastic. Just, she did not, she did not really want to talk about Star Wars, but it was just fantastic <laughs> that she had a moment in front of the camera. She took it. So uh, keep your eye on Princess Leia because she's killing it. You know, I mean, it's great to see Harrison Ford. It's great uh -huh. to see R2-D2 and uh, C-3PO on the red carpet. But Carrie Fisher dropping F-bombs, good for her. That's, that's, that's fantastic. Love it. Love it. Okay. Okay. So when are you going to see Star Wars? This, uh, this weekend? You know, we you... did, I did not pre, I did not get tickets because I had the feeling, I just didn't do it. I, we had a book tour. I just had yeah. stuff going on. So I'm sure next week at some point um, I will go see it. I, you, of course, now you have to go into like, I can't read anything. I've stopped watching trailers or interviews about it. I, there's a plot twist now. We know that. People said that last night when they came out of the premiere. Uh, I don't want to know what it is. So now I'm going into like, like, you know, a blackout zone. I okay. don't want to know really what happened. So I just want to go and enjoy it. And, you know, for the are most part, 3d, are you going to do, uh, are you going to do sort of big screen or anything like that? I'll then? probably do 3d. Yeah. At the okay. arc light. Yeah. I'll probably do the big screen 3d, not, uh, not the super huge screen, but yeah, I'll probably do 3d for this. Okay. I'll have okay. to see about that. I hadn't really thought about it. Sometimes 3d makes me sick to my stomach, you know? <laughs> That would be a shame, Liam. That would be. I know. You've got you've got you got a delicate stomach to begin. I, with. I do. I do. It's just okay. No 3D for you. Okay. Liam. Alrighty.
Okay, well that's good. Oh, did I? Oh, I had celebrity yes, auction. Tell me about a celebrity auction. Well, you spoke so highly of Creed the other day, yes, and yes. you turned and a lot t- of people onto it. But Sylvester Stallone is auctioning off a whole bunch of stuff from his private collection, and all the money's going to charity. So I saw a big ad in the L.A. Times today, Julie. If you wanted like the leather coat Rocky wears in Rocky One, that can oh, be no. yours. So. Oh. Wow. So just so you know, I'll keep you posted. I don't want that. that. I think it would probably stink, that coat. Don't you think? <laughs> that, that would be my suspicion. There are a lot of guys that would want that coat, though. I yes, think. That's I, a pretty I, iconic I, coat, that black leather coat from Rocky One. So, mm-hmm. And all the money's going to charity. Didn't say yeah. which charity in the ad, but it said I, all the money's going to charity. He's wearing that same coat in, uh, in Creed, Liam. Uh, oh, he is? Of, yes, Liam. Oh, so okay. you have to well, guess, I haven't you know, seen You know, he got it, nominated so. for a Golden Globe. You I saw you saw that. I know. Who I... said it first? Who said it first? I said it right here on our podcast. Yes, right? you did. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Good work. Good work. Anyway, that's that's it. So keep your eye. I'll, I'll keep you posted in case you want to bid on something for your husband. Okay. okay. <laughs> well, Leanne, we have now come to the super exciting part of the show, which we call tidbits, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. This is Tuesday, and we like to go deep on shallow topics. And it's with you know, uh, you know, great sadness that I want to um, like at least take note of the passing of Lillian Verner, Vernon. <laughs> okay. I even said her name wrong. Oh gosh. <laughs> okay, just get a hold of ourselves, Lillian Vernon. A Vernon, catalog queen. Lily, catalog queen. Catalog queen Lillian I, Vernon. You love all things associated with catalogs. Yes, do you I remember do. this? This was Yes. At one time this this was one of the largest catalogs ever. You know, this is where you could go to get like monogrammed stuff mm-hmm. or little princess costumes or plastic shoulder shields or whatever. (laughs) I don't know. It was a hodge. It was a complete hodgepodge of knickknacks. Like I'm looking now here are Christmas sweaters. I think the word is knickknacks. Well, I think hers were knickknacks because this is like (laughs) Christmas sweaters for your wine bottles. For instance, if that's, (laughs) if that's what you want to get, Lillian Vernon has them. Right, right. And but do you realize that she was the first one to ever do ever do seasonal catalogs like oh, you know the no. Lillian Ver- Vernon Christmas catalog or Lillian Vernon Easter decorations or Lillian Vernon, you know, Fourth of July or Halloween. Nobody had ever done that before. That's she was that. Oh, kind of that's genius. pretty. That's groundbreaking. That is, then. that is that is pretty genius. And so, uh, so we just uh, eighty eight years old. Um, but uh, she built it. She started selling knickknacks in her kitchen, Leanne. That's how she started her business. So uh, she took some of her little wedding money that she had and started sending shipping out knickknacks. Unbelievable. So, good for so, her. Good for good for her. Good for her. So there you go. Well, that was a nice tribute, Julie. I'm sorry. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. Okay. Very nice All right. It, my second tidbit in mm-hmm. the how many times have have I have do we have to talk about this department? Mm-hmm. Big story in the New York Times with the headlines: Thai man faces prison for uh, for insulting the king's dog. Yes. This oh, is really? For Bangkok. insulting the king's dog? Dog. Yes. He is facing a possible of thirty-seven years in prison. For posting a sarcast something sarcastic about the, the king of Thailand's dog on one of the social media sites. Okay, that uh, seems. Told you this, Leon. I, I know. Said there are no jokes about the king. The king is held, you know, with great reverence. Uh, you know, he is beloved. Uh, they they're very serious about it in Thailand. I mean, that what what is news to me is that this crime was committed by a Thai. And everyone in Thailand knows this, you know, you know, and everyone knows that the king loves his dogs. He makes a big deal. He adopts uh, street dogs and, uh, you know, he's very, you know, kind and affectionate to these street dogs. And, and people know this is part of the thing that the king does and everyone loves it. So. Okay. All right. I'm not even going to say a word. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say anything. We have talked about this on, you know, I lived in Bangkok, Thailand for five years. We've talked about this, you know, that you just can't make jokes and people keep making jokes and see what happens. You know, it doesn't go well for them. So, uh, a third totally unrelated story, but I think it, it does raise a burning, you know, it does answer a burning uh, question was, 
you know, are you still doing the no poo thing, Leanne, with your hair? I am, Julie. Oh. I am. I'm doing it. I would say a modified no shampoo routine. I, um, I, I only use shampoo like once every seven or eight days. Okay. That's yeah. pretty good. That's, that's pretty good. All right. Yeah. Then you would be interested in this question. You know, the, do you need to rotate your shampoos? You know, there's this, right. there's that this idea that somehow your hair builds up a tolerance to a shampoo and that by rotating it, you can keep your hair lively and bouncy. And this is the best um, of all possible things. Well, this question was put to a professor of dermatology at Tulane University School of Medicine in New Orleans. And she said, first of all, the thing you need to understand about hair is hair is not alive, okay? So the idea that it could become immune to a shampoo is impossible. You I think I think Jennifer Aniston's hair is alive. <laughs> I mean, I would take up serious issue with that statement, but okay. You have to understand, right, that it cannot Dead. develop an immunity to okay. a particular shampoo. So the idea that you're rotating your shampoo because you're tricking your hair, <laughs> it doesn't really work because your hair is dead. Okay. So that it's, it's, okay. so I just wanted to get to the bottom of that. Okay. But it, it, it she, the um, professor goes on to say that as you age, it is, it is probably a good thing to shampoo your hair less often that you just don't need to do it as much. Mm -hmm. And that, um, you know, the only, you know, that now if you have a lot of dandruff, dandruff is alive and that that can clog up your, you know, your hair and make it look bad. And in that case, you might want to rotate your shampoos. But if you don't have, you know, uh, if you don't have a bad case of dandruff, your dead hair does not care what kind of shampoo <laughs> you're using. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I told you, Leanne, I was bringing it today. This sort of kind of a holiday special of tidbits there. I knew you'd enjoy that. You know, just to follow up, I'm looking at Lillian Vernon's uh, obit in the New York Times. Yes. So she first, she fled Nazi Germany. Right. And uh, she moved to the United States as a Jewish immigrant. Uh, and in 1937, she began her business in 1951. At one time, she had nine catalogs, 15 outlet stores, two websites, a business-to-business -business division, and a yearly revenue of over $300 million. Lillian Vernon was the first company owned by a woman to be listed on the American Stock Exchange. And in 1995, Bill Clinton appointed her chairwoman of the National Women's Business Council. So there you go. We're, <laughs> that's, a, that's quite a story. It's quite a yes, story. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, she instituted well, family friendly family friendly work hours for her female employees who had children in school. She was a self-described workaholic and then she was married three times, Julie, and uh I was going to leave that out, Lee, and I didn't think there was any need to be unpleasant about that. Well, today. here's a here's a funny little item from the catalog that may have had something to do with the fact that her marital history uh was a little sketchy, but she once called it her worst-selling catalog item and it said this it was a needlepoint pillow that said a woman who is looking for a husband has never had one <laughs> so see that is saucy and sassy worst selling item ever lillian vernon <laughs> but but there you go there you go a little follow-up to that a little follow-up okay. to that she's a role model there you go uh all right we are speaking of role models you know uh our female secretary of state madam secretary really uh really has been left in the lurch as we know from this week's episode of madam secretary so coming up next will be our madam secretary recap um also, I wanted to mention a couple of things. What else do we want to mention? Oh, you know what? If you're in the Minnesota area, this is what I want to mention. I'm going to be a guest on Lori and Julia's show on FM 107 on Thursday afternoon at 3.30 Central Time. And that would, be, that would be your time. Uh, but I have to keep reminding myself it's Central Time so that I'm here ready to call in at the right time. So if you're listening, if you're in the Minnesota, St. Paul area, and you want to tune in on Thursday, I'm always happy to talk to Lori and Julia. And that's what I will be doing uh, 3.35 Central Time on Thursday. That's one of those things that you just keep saying, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, right? When we... <laughs> 
I, I know that's just it's in the middle of nothing yeah it's it's, in, it's like it, yeah you could totally blow blow uh, blow by that you could end. totally forget to do it so yeah. i'm not going to forget and if you're in the minnesota area tune in it's always a pleasure to talk to them um let's see okay nana take a break and we will be back with our weekly recap of madam secretary You are listening to Satellite Sisters. I'm Leanne Dolan here in Pasadena, California. I'm here with my sister, Julie Dolan, in Dallas, Texas. And this is our weekly recap of Madam Secretary on CBS. This was the mid-season finale, Julie, so you knew we were in for some fireworks. But I don't know if you knew we were in for a rocket launcher, did you? (laughs) It's really just frightening to think that uh, the U.S. was bombing Russia. But they were. (laughs) Okay, this episode was called The Greater Good, and uh, it was essentially a morality play. It was a little 60-minute morality play because we had a lot of good versus evil, and we had a lot of compromises being made on both sides of the table. We saw relationships weakened and strengthened by, is this the right thing? Is this the ethical choice? And in the middle of it all was our poor little Dmitri, the Russian military history student forced to become a spy, and he was really the sacrificial lamb. And I have to say, Julie, his story, that broke my heart at the end. I know. He looks so sad, didn't he? He has his big sad eyes. He did. I know. He did. It wasn't going to be good for him. No. But it was brinksmanship all the way here. And if you, if you didn't know that almost every character in the, in the 60 minutes said it's world war three, it's right. Right. Just in case you went to get a snack on Sunday night and missed it. (laughs) Don't worry, because in the next scene, you were reminded that it was World War III. But it was a lot of good versus evil or evil versus good. We had Russia versus the United States. We had Maria Ostrov versus President Dalton. We had poisoning versus hacking. We had Henry versus Elizabeth. And we had tasteful suits versus that strange adult jumper she was wearing. Oh, you cannot conduct world affairs in a jumper. Can I just say that right now? Okay. I don't understand. She's been, she's been getting it out of the park all season long. We, I think we had a couple of people on the Facebook page that liked that, but that is a dress that looks good on no one. No, <laughs> no, you just do not command authority in a jumper. Okay. If you have a jumper in your closet, really, I mean, <laughs> just so this Julie, Even I, first graders are not going to listen to a grown woman in a jumper. Okay. I, They're not. I, okay? I didn't understand that. I didn't, I, I don't care how many pins you put on that jumper. It's not I, it, I, I looked it up on Shop the Show, so other people enjoyed it, and they wanted to know, where can I get the jumper? You can get it at Neiman Marcus. It's a Michael Kors jumper for $1,500, or you can get a knockoff version at The Gap for 79 bucks. <laughs> Either way, you've paid $79 too much money. I don't right. you, I you're understand wrong. that. You're going to be wrong wearing that jumper. <laughs> <laughs> so. Okay. So. You don't see Maria Osterhoff in, in a jumper. No jumpers on her. No, but we did see her in a, like a feathered boa and sparkly hair, so uh, which was a highlight for me. Now, uh, we're not going to go scene by scene, but we'll break it down a little bit from the beginning. Because in the beginning, of course, we start with the fam. Well, we know... Uh, the at the end of last show, uh, Madam Secretary was called to the uh, called to the White House, the Situation Room, and uh, with her fantastic accessories, there she was. She was wearing both like a lanyard and pearls. Did you notice that? <laughs> yes. And her good earrings, and yeah. uh, and you know, President Dalton was just uh, his hair was on fire, and he was going to start bombing Russian Migs, right? For some, yes. he just felt like. That was the best course of action. Well, you you had said it early on. You felt like the president was a, a sort of weak at the beginning of the season, you know, that he just wasn't standing up. And now you just can't stop the guy. He's he's not listening to anybody. He's not. He's just moving full steam ahead. I mean, those that those Joint Chiefs of Staff, they say nothing. So uh, they are not helpful. And where is the vice president? Where Where is he in any of these decisions? <laughs> Um, he must be lighting the White House Christmas tree yeah, while exactly. while the uh, while the president was deciding to bomb Russian MIGs, and that's not going to go well. But it's an exhausting night. Madam Secretary goes home. Henry is putting up the tree all by himself. <laughs> and first of all, in like one fell swoop, like a man putting up that tree. <laughs> I mean, 
I know. Where was the yelling and the swearing? And the- I know. There's no light fight. We have, a light, we have a light fight at our house every single year. Every happy holiday begins with a giant light fight. Okay. I mean, when Barrick tries to get that tree in the stand, like even the dog leaves the living room. You know what I mean? Like things like <laughs> the dog used to slunk away when he started swearing at like. Christmas tree stands. Um, But not Henry. No, not. He just, boom, just right in the stand. And then he has to go off and uh, do his other job, which is like an NSA handler. Right. A spy handler. Oh, yeah. I like his. I have a faculty meeting. Yeah. His kids are not buying that. No. His kids are not buying that. No. The 16-year-old daughter's like at 9 o'clock at night. Like, they're not idiots. So, um, but Madam Secretary comes home, and she has a heart-to-heart with Stevie, who's stringing popcorn, and then inexplicably puts it on the tree. And I know we're all screaming, put the lights on first, right? What was that? (laughs) Yeah. that She wasn't really trying hard to decorate that tree. No. All right. So things are starting to break down. There's a lot of back and forth. Ukraine is in the story. We know it was the Ukrainians that hacked Air Force One. We're starting to get this picture of Maria Ostrov. There's going to be retaliation. It's really heating up. You know, uh, Madam Secretary's staff has been charged with finding out all they can about Maria Ostrov. And, of course, she's got those secret Swiss bank accounts. Um, And then about halfway through uh, the episode, we hear the word summit. Bass wants a peace summit. And you know that's going to end very poorly, right? I mean, the word summit, when does that ever end well on television? Never, right? And nobody, yeah, she, I mean, she's in the jumper and she's, she's really making, you know, urging people to, to come to the table for a summit. That's bad. And look who, look who she was summiteering with. Okay. The Ukrainians and the Russians, oh, you know, that's bad. So, uh. And we have Dimitri, the spy who needs to be extracted. He's passed on some really valuable information that is thwarted like a Russian attempt to uh, to gain some territory in the Ukrainians. So now the Ostrovs uh, regime, they know there's a spy in their midst. And- I thought that was pretty good. You know, I mean, because initially we thought that Marie was just probably just a puppet, that right. she was really... She was just the pretty face and that the generals were uh, were going to run the show in Russia. But it was clear that that she's no puppet, that she, you know, although she was a beauty queen and she did marry up, um, uh, but she's she's very strong. And I liked it that she was from a working class in Volgograd. Now, Leon, when I lived in Moscow, uh, my Russian teacher uh, used to tell me that my Russian accent had made me sound like I was from Volgograd. And that was not a compliment when she said that to me. <laughs> so I have a little sympathy for, for, for Maria Ostrov. Even although one of my favorite lines certainly was when she... She injected the, uh, her former husband, uh, you know, killing him. And she said, I am killing you, you worthless trash. That's a nice thing. That's a, with that nice. Volkograd accent. Yeah. So, uh, so, you know, so the summit is going to be, it's everybody on the show is going to the summit, except, of course, uh, the kids, the McCord kids who are home alone. Um, yes. Yes. We know. Just with doing a sink full of dishes because nobody is doing the dishes. Doing together. whatever. Their parents are trying to stop World War Three, and the kids are just home alone. And we know they're in Geneva because they managed to find like the biggest Swiss flag in the world and stick it on the side of that building, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> we also know they're in Geneva because Bess, uh, she did you notice she was layering with puffer coats? Oh, Leon, I like that a lot. I like that. Yeah. I mean, how skinny do you have to be to like wear a layer over a puffer coat? I thought she must have been so hot when they were filming that that scene. I know, because I think that was really like on Long Island, that yes. that house in Geneva is what I was guessing. <laughs> So, but it's all coming together at the summit. Henry's trying to extract Dimitri because he's going to be there with, uh, you know, President Ostroff and her team. Uh, you know, President Dalton has information that Maria's killed her husband, but we learn that the Russians have information that it was actually the Ukrainians that hacked uh, Air Force One, and there have been all kinds of compromises. And so this is where we get to the ethical heart of the matter. You know, they want to come to some agreement, some peace agreement. Ukraine has to give away part of their territory.
territory, but they'll keep each other's secrets. But the big price is that Maria Ostroff knows that there is a spy in their midst. She wants the name of the spy. And uh, so Elizabeth and President Dalton decide to give up Dimitri, the poor, hapless military history student that Henry has recruited. Uh, they give him up in in for the greater good, which is the title of the episode. And that was actually pretty heartbreaking, wasn't it? It was. It was. It was sort of sad because they had they had planned to pick up Dimitri at this one spot. And they're in a van, and inexplicably, Henry is sticking his head out the back curtain. I was like, you are not a very good spy. You're supposed to stay in the van and don't show your face. So they pull up to pick up Dimitri, and then, no, abort, abort the mission. And they had to leave, right? Right. And Dimitri is picked up by some Russian goons, and it won't be be good for him. Right. Right. And we just see Henry's little head peeking out the back of the van, like the kid at home alone. I mean, I just didn't. So, so, uh, and you know, here's the thing though, everybody involved in this episode, like was a spy, is a spy, Henry was special ops, you know, so you think they would be used to basically the price of peace by now. Isn't that part of it? Like we've made compromises all along to sort of for the greater good, but Henry takes this very personally. There is, you know, he was devastated by it, Liam. Very tense scene, very tense scene. So, um. All along, though, some highlights for me of the episode, Julie. I enjoyed the video of Maria Ostroff as Miss Russia Beauty Queen. I <laughs> yes, it did. And then, okay, that was good. That was really good. And then the breakdown of, like, the work she had done and how did she pay for the work. And, like, her, you know, a Madam Secretary staff managed to put together quite a wild theory of her killing her husband based on a nose job. So I thought that was good. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed our policy wonk, Jay, just teeing off on the Swiss ambassador. Ambassador I, That's my notes. Exactly, Lynn. Excellent speech to the Swiss ambassador. Yes. So, yeah, where have those Swiss been? You know, yeah. I, what are they doing? Right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, almost every shot of Maria Ostroff makes me laugh a little because she's really overdressed for every occasion. I don't, <laughs> there's not a, a female, are there female world leaders that dress like that, Julie? I'll throw that yes, to you. Yes, you track yes, them more. Yes, there are. But my favorite scene had to be the little makeout session in the Rose Garden. Lane. Okay. I, I can't believe that wasn't on your list. I'm sorry, Julie. You're right. <laughs> When Henry and Bess are called to the White House, but on the way out, they decide they're going to, like, do some smooching in the Rose Garden. I know. That was... I guess Henry likes jumpers. I mean, I guess that's it. I guess that turns him on. <laughs> what that was about. So at the end, uh, with, there's some detente that's reached, some peace agreement. Henry's so mad, he, quote, flies commercial, which you have to know that's a red herring. Because who goes commercial when they can go on Air Force One? I mean, seriously. I don't right. care how mad you are at your wife. <laughs> right? <laughs> how much you disagree with the president. You're getting on Air Force One. You just sit in the back. You're just you're not going to get on Swiss Air to go home. Uh, and, then, uh, and then everyone's getting in their cars. And then we see an unnamed, uh, you know, gunman with an RPG. Right? Isn't that right. what those are called? Yes. Yeah, really and has- he launches the rocket. At first we think, oh, Bess is going to go take a call. She's going to miss the rocket launch. But then she gets back in the car and boom, up goes the car. And that is how we have ended the episode. But is it her car or is it Marie Ostroff's car? We don't know. That's what we, we don't know that. We don't know that. And so now we're going to have to wait. Right. Who is dead is the big question. Uh, And um, here's the thing with Henry, though. Did he really get on that commercial flight? Don't you think Henry might have gone into deep cover, gone off to rescue Dimitri on his own? Oh, Leon, I like that plot twist. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That is totally in keeping with he feels such a deep sense of responsibility that he really he really tricked Dimitri into, you know, into becoming a spy, you know, and uh, and that he would do anything. He feels obligated to go uh, rescue him. I yeah. like that. Liam. I don't think he got on that air, Swiss air flight. I don't think okay. he did it. Okay. And okay. then who is the vice president? Like, if <laughs> I mean, I think we've seen. We better find out. We Someone should find out. Is it? Is it Selena Myers? Who is the vice president? Because, uh, you know, it, it could be that the American president is dead. And so now we have a whole new character, the vice president. Who knows how that's going to work? But the people in this administration appear to be dropping like flies. I mean, right. it's crazy. And uh, and then really, uh, no matter where Henry is, I think the question is, 
can the trust between Henry and Bess be recovered? Will will they make out again, Julie? Will they make out again? Do you think? Oh, ab- oh, absolutely, Leon. I believe that I believe their marriage is strong enough that they can they can they can weather this. They're just going to go home. They're going to do some dishes. They're going to string some popcorn. Like if they don't fight about the Christmas tree, Leon, that's that's a pretty strong marriage, wouldn't you say? <laughs> You're right. That's, it's that's an, an exceptional marriage. That's an excellent point. You make an excellent point. <laughs> so I think we have to wait till mid-January to pick this up again. Uh, but it's good. We need we need some time off. We need some time to just absorb what's happened here and maybe rewatch the whole season again so you can get caught up. Or if you haven't been watching, now's your opportunity to get on board. Season one is on Netflix. Uh, season The beginning of season two, you can find various episodes at CBS.com and then others I think you have to pay for. Um, but Julie, I'm looking forward to what might happen. I think things are going to be shaken up a little bit. Shaken okay, up. Okay, and that's a good prediction. All right. Uh, if you are new to Satellite Sisters, just listening to these recaps, we welcome you. We appreciate you uh, listening to the Madam Secretary recaps. You can find many, many more Satellite Sisters episodes about all kinds of things at SatelliteSisters.com or at iTunes. We do recaps of other TV shows, too. So we don't know how we're going to be swinging the Downton Abbey recap that we do. Downton Gabby, which is coming back um, January 3rd. Are you you ready, Jewel? I am. I can't wait, Lynn. I'm We're so gonna- excited. We're going to have to talk about our schedule. Okay. In January, we're just going to be like watching TV and talking, watching TV and talking. We did not <laughs> could, think this could through. Could be worse, Lynn. Could be worse. <laughs> it's true. That's true. It's not like we're the Secretary of State or anything. So it's not like we actually have to make any hard decisions. So. Just stay away from jumpers, Lynn. That's my advice. <laughs> It's good advice for every woman, I think, Julie. Every woman. All right. We are the Satellite Sisters. Thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, Our book, You're the Best, is available at Amazon. If you're looking for some last-minute Christmas presents, it's great for your sister, your best friend. It's great to give as a hostess gift. Uh, It's a celebration of friendship. And it's been a tough year, so it would be nice to to honor your friends by giving them something special. We've enjoyed being out on the book tour and talking to many of you and understanding your friends and your relationships. And so check out You're the Best. You can find it at Amazon.com. All right, Jewel, have a great week. You too, Leanne. And don't forget, call your satellite sister.